not start with an argument <laughs> yeah how about contradiction <laughs> i came here for abuse yeah well i'm gonna dish that out in plenty for you greg today good it's about time the table's turn yeah welcome back thank you it's good to be home you were on a trip weren't you i was it was a we're not great... talking about a psychedelic trip yeah or are we well, <laughs> it had some elements, man. There were some points where the whole atmosphere was filled with paper confetti and flames shooting up and lights all over the place. And, you know, tens of thousands of people all like. And did you know what they were saying in the song lyrics? No, not really at all. And what's hella funny, it was this older woman behind me who was totally into Ramstein. And she she was there with, could have been her son. He was a fucking giant of a man. But um, and she, and he obviously knew nothing about Ramstein. And he's like, oh, and she's like, yeah, that's great. Like, no one knows what they're saying. And they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so... Let's catch people up. Ramstein is a band that you went and saw in Los Angeles, right? Ramstein, yeah, at the Memorial Coliseum. Saturday with my brother and his son, Johnny. And, and it was... I saw pictures. Their stage setup's pretty complicated. Well, that's it's one of the greatest stage setups I've seen because they have this wall of lights that's curved around the stage, a half curve, and it's recessed away from the stage. And then you had all that metal structure of the stage, and it really gave this depth of field and the bank of lights that was in that recessed wall that it was amazing. And then, of course, lots of smoke, right? Lots of smoke, lots of fire. Lots of fire. Lots and of humor. Like, when I've seen their videos, they're all acting as characters. Were they actually playing instruments, or were they kind of playing to electronic tracking? No, they are playing the instruments. And the electronic aspects, like, you know, their keyboardist is a badass, and he plays a goon. You know, that's kind of his character in the band. He's the one who's tortured and maimed throughout the show. But he also adds this element of um, orchestration that's beautiful. And what I love is um, the opening band was this duo from France, these two women who were on grand pianos. And there was a small stage out in the middle of the crowd, the floor crowd, you know, and that's where these two women performed. And it was brilliant. And, and it was very melodic, their first song. And there's this element. Now there was a lot of energy, you know, as they continued to play. Um, but it was kind of like Ramstein was like, yeah, 
fuck you guys. This is our opening band, you know, like it's not who I would expect to open for Ramstein. So it starts with this lyrical, it kind of comes up. The energy starts nice and sweet and low and feminine and it starts to come up and they build it, right? Did the opening act get more and more intense? Yeah. Oh yeah. They got intense and they actually, um, it's possible that Ramstein became aware of them because their latest album they put out is covering Ramstein songs. Ah. And, um, so maybe, but you know, still they're on tour with Ramstein as the opening act and check this out. Fucking Ramstein rolls credits at the end of the show of all the people involved in putting on the show. And, um, so when they came out and did their stage bow, you know, the whole band, you could hear these two grand pianos are still continuing the music behind. Uh-huh. And I'm sure it was those two women. Um, there was also a part in the, um, the show where Ramstein appeared on that middle stage and the two women were on the grand pianos and Ramstein was just doing vocals. The, let's see, I think there's, five of them total in the band. Let's see, there's bass, keyboard, drummer, no, six of them. So they were surrounding the the pianos pianos and doing vocals out to the crowd. Um, yeah, but they rolled credits. And I was like, I have never, ever seen a band roll credits to give credit to everyone involved. That's that was awesome. Badass. That's the kind of badass fucking guys they are. So it's hard rock with uh, intelligent twist, basically. Absolutely. And uh, and humor. And some of it's very crass humor. You know, like there's this one song on their new album that's, you know, this lonely guy and the pathos of life. And if he could just have a loving partner and she could be anything at all and look anything, it doesn't have to be rich, but he wants big tits. <laughs> that reminds me of a death jester song yeah memory glands memory glands i want to get my hands on your memory glands (laughs) (laughs) wow so how did you find out about these guys i think well i've heard about them before because their fire show is kind of their pyrotechnics stories precede them. Like even in clubs, they were known for harrowing pyrotechnics. And my brother was like, you know, God, but hearing his story, it was like, I, while we, I went and saw them at the Oakland Coliseum with my brother. Outdoor show, right? What? Was it an outdoor show? No, this was indoor. Okay, but the one you just went to was outdoor. Then, yeah, exactly. But they don't hold back. <laughs> they, it doesn't matter, indoor, outdoor. There's going to be a lot of fire. Um, and we were both like, "Holy fuck!" Like that was just incredible amounts of fire. It, it, yeah, but part of it is just—it's a fantastic show. Here's an example. Like I was thinking about this last show from Saturday. There were all sorts of people at the show. There were old people, young people, punk rockers, girls in country dresses, uh, Hispanic, you know, people of all colors, all like just a plethora of humanity at this show. And afterwards, as we're all hanging out, like 
everyone was just in a great mood. And part of what I was thinking of is it's such a powerful masculine music. You know, it's a very bum, bum, bum. And um, yet it's not leaving an individual with an aggro sense. Everyone's in this very happy, together, bonded sense. Yeah, and I thought that's really a feat for artists to pull off. I agree. I totally agree. And like a lot of the heavy metal, like Metallica, Joe Satriani, I mean, he's not heavy metal, but they're a sausage fest. You're in the audience and there's like 98% dudes, right? Right. Right. And you're saying that this wasn't the case with Rammstein. No, it wasn't. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it wasn't a sausage fest. And, um, and yeah. But in a way it was because they're German. It was a sausage. Yeah, beer that's a point. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think? I, b- based on what you're saying, is this? There's this element of fully embracing who they are as men, like their obvious predilection with mammaries and sausages and beers, and who they are. But at the same time, there's a sense of humor about it. They don't take themselves too seriously. That they can't right. poke fun at the human condition, right. and the songs. Le- like you said, leave you feeling ebullient. Yes, that is true. And I think the humor part's a big part of it because they mm-hmm. really don't take themselves seriously. And um, and they're badass. They're fucking yeah. badass. <laughs> and what are they like? What were their costumes like? What was was the did they do a lot well, of changes or was it one thing or? No, so the sinner, he usually puts like the silver white face paint on and, you know, he does these really grandiose, almost like, you know, in cabaret, the Uh main guy, like that kind of showman, you know, big rolly eyes. Um, When I saw them in Oakland, they were all leather and metal except for the keyboard player. But this time, one of the guitarists had this sort of, um, feather furry kind of coat on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and here's another thing that was a lot of fun. Like this one song they did. And I think the song translates to the kiss in English. I'm not 100% sure, but the two guitarists are dueling like, you know, killer bone and just like, and they're right up on each other. And then they just end the solo. And they both leaned forward and kissed each other, you know, <laughs> turned to the audience. And, and I was like, you know, it's that kind of stuff that in all this machismo and stuff and the keyboard player is in these glitter one piece jumpsuits that are silly as all get out. And So he's kind of the fool archetype. Right. He's the fool. And, um, like in one thing, he's in this huge metal pot and the lead singer, um, gets this huge blowtorch and is blowing fire into the pot and just engulfing him in fire. And then he, he does that a few times and then he brings out an even bigger blowtorch. That's like on wheels, like this huge machine. And he's on one side of the stage and the flame goes all the way across the stage to this pot and just engulfs it. Just, and then the piano player, like the whole band leaves the stage and there's smoke and you see the lid come off the pot and the piano player like, cripples his way out and he's like all bent and fucked up and he walks over to a keyboard and he sort of 
straightens his limbs and then he just starts doing this badass riff and yeah so it has this element like we talked about brer rabbit has this element of like yeah i'm all fucked up oh no i'm not you know not all fucked up and there was another song i don't know what the song was and this giant metal baby carriage is brought out you see this like demon baby in it and then it just is all on fire and blows up and wow so it sounds like they don't make a lot of profit on this tour it's a good question i don't know i mean they really put a lot of money on the table the show is really really fully realized Yeah, it it absolutely is. But you were at Olympic Coliseum, right? Yeah. And did it seem sold out? Well, no, because of the way the stage is, about a quarter of the um, seating behind, yeah, from that side back, no one's in there. But it was still probably 35,000, 40,000 people. Yeah, I would say yes. Because I think that stadium seats hundred. Yeah, th- that's what I was wondering. So yeah, I think you're on point. What was your What was your ticket cost? Um, well, I bought it a year ago, and it was seventy five bucks a ticket. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of value. It was absolutely. That's yeah. a lot of value. Yeah. But still, if we just do the math, that's you know, four hundred hundred dollars times forty five thousand. That's four point five million dollars for one show. So they got some money and the t-shirts are going for like 40 bucks a t-shirt. Right. And, and they pretty much sold out. Like they had one shirt. You've seen that, um, the video I sent you of Stein, you know, of the time rolling back on itself. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And remember the character death, like with the farmer when his wife dies and there's that. So they had a t-shirt with that death-like figure on the front, you know, and it says Ramstein. And I wanted to get one of those and those were sold out. They were pretty much out of product by the end of the night. Um, so it's $5.6 million at 45,000 people at 75 bucks a head for one. All right. And some of the tickets were probably more expensive. So they're probably doing all right. <laughs> yeah. You know, here's the other thing, though, like they so L.A. was the last U.S. um, date, date, right? And then they were on to New Mexico, but they didn't come up here like they're this their stadium. New Mexico, that's in the U.S. I'm sorry, Mexico City. Got it. Um, They are, you know, I think they might have played six shows in the U.S. So. Yeah. That's the other piece to this whole. Tour. Yeah. And they're not on the radio and you, I didn't see any advertising. It's like Rammstein people know who they are. It's like the Grateful yeah. Dead in a way, but in yeah. the in a way, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd rather be at a Rammstein show. <laughs> well, I think Jerry Garcia would have loved to have seen a Rammstein show. He might've there. Yeah. And you know, what's really beautiful too, is besides this sort of techno metal thing that's going on, are these very classical melodic elements that come in mm-hmm. and um, yeah, they're, they're pretty badass. Yeah. Um, you had a good time. I had a great time. Yeah. And part of what I loved is uh, I was waiting for my brother. So I took Metro from Santa Monica cause I was hanging out in Santa Monica a couple of days and um, the Metro goes right to 
um, the stadium. So I was there, waited for my brother. I went to get pad thai, and on the way back, there was your um, stereotypical Jesus preachers who are at rock shows, you know, and the guy um, <laughs> was telling how, how all these sinners, you know, he's all, if you fornicate, take drugs, if you're a partier, listen to rock and roll, you're burning in hell. And so I went up to him and um, I said, so I heard you say, if you're a partier, you go to hell. He goes, this man has come up to me and asked if you're a partier, do you go to hell? Yes, sir. If you're a partier. I said, well, what's a partier to you? If you drink and imbibe to get tipsy. I said, well, wasn't Jesus at a wedding party and turned water to wine? That was a party, right? He's all, well, back in those days, well, 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 they used, didn't use hops in their wine. And I was like, oh, okay, we're done here. Like, fucking <laughs> gibberish. Yeah. 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 And Some people are laugh. fueled by their hell and brimstone. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking of. I was like, wow, what a trip. Like, yeah. And he's probably like that because he got too much acid at some point. Maybe. Or someone touched his pee pee at too young an age. That might be it. Who knows? That Who happened knows? to me. Yeah. Someone yeah. touched your pee-pee at too young an age. That's right. Sorry My cello teacher. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it wasn't fun for him. <laughs> Damn. It's got dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was not fun for him. Oh. Yeah. Did that really happen? Yep. I was uh uh, on stage and he was kind of at the time I didn't know what flirty was I was in the fifth grade and um, I was playing cello and we there was like four of us I think and the stage had all this cool stuff in the back right like there's all these curtains and ropes and you know ladders going up into the catwalk and stuff like that and uh, he was way too friendly with me and then at one point I climbed up one of the metal ladders in the back and the way that he got me down was he put his hand between my legs and grabbed me by my penis and lifted me down and lingered a little too long. And I wasn't happy with that. And when I got home and I told my mom about it, she was like, what? And she went down to the school the next day and the guy was gone in a week. Wow. So on one level, it was pretty minor in terms of, you know, it's not like he's, imprisoned me in the closet and pulled my pants down and said, don't tell anyone, but it was still definitely too much. Right. Right. And he lost his job, which, you know, it was the seventies. He just got a little too forward. Anyway. Well, it was definitely inappropriate. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I quit the cello after that. Just think I could have been part of, you know, I could have been a. You could have been player. a Ramstein. They didn't have cello players, did they? No, but they had those two grand piano women. You know, right? Like you I could have know. done. I probably wouldn't have lasted on cello. Within another uh, year, I was playing guitar and playing electric guitar. No, it was more like two years, seventh grade. Yeah. Oh. But really, so you quit the cello from that experience? You think? Yeah, I did not want to go back. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. That's oh well. It, uh, you know, fortunately for me, I the level of scarring compared to a lot of people who face that kind of abuse in their life and this PTSD that they have, and 
for me, it was relatively small impact ultimately, especially because my, my mom defended me right away and the, the school, you know, acted, you know, if that had, if he'd been left there, it might've been more traumatic in the long run. Do you think that um, a conversation could have happened with the four of you, like a school representative, your mom, you, and this person to clarify? Well, you said he was already, he was too friendly with you already before well, that he did that with me who knows what else he'd done right i wasn't right, the only that's guy what i'm wondering like it's you, what i hear you saying is it doesn't seem like it was an accidental thing oh there was no way it was accidental right right no hmm because ultimately i would hope that individual would get help to heal that chaos they have in them but that's yeah. Um, well, who knows? Like after that, I'd never heard from about him or what happened to him or like he might have slunk off somewhere else and gotten another job as a music teacher or, or who knows? Like, I don't right. know. the. Le- what I know is that I wasn't privy to the conversation. My mom is a fiery Italian woman. And she went down to that principal's office and she made him pay. That was all. Yeah. But I know. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm not um, faulting anyone of what they did. I'm just saying, like, I have a hope that an element, in essence, like that the opportunity to heal that poison was happened. Not, you know what I'm saying? Like, that would be a crazy chance that this person happens to listen to this broadcast. (laughs) I want you to know that I'm I forgive you. Uh, there was no long-term lasting damage, and I wish you no ill will, and I hope you didn't do it to anybody else. Yeah, all right. That sounds like a good, nice plant. Yeah, let's let's leave it there. Perfect. Yeah. Springs <laughs> up to the collapse of world economies. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent segue, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> why whatever makes you say that did art put a gun to your head did he, he threaten your penis that fucking guy with his gun <laughs> if it's not his gun it's mine <laughs> <laughs> yeah well weird stuff's been happening like the british pound after the the new um person who uh, the new prime minister lowered Taxes on the rich over there, the pound crashed. And here in America, inflation's running out of control. And the Federal Reserve is trying to raise interest rates. And Yeah, I'm looking at the six months of the Dow. It's fallen 16%, over 16% in the past six months. Yeah, and, you know, the whole Russia-Ukraine war has changed the international monetary situation. Hey, what are your thoughts on that? What are my thoughts on it? Yeah, on on the Russia-Ukraine war that's happening right now. Oh, wow. Um, I think it was opportunistic. I think that Putin decided that he had enough of a moral story that he could tell about encroachment by NATO and various other things that he could point to that would, he thought would give him 
the cover he needed to to invade and that what it's really about is amassing the resources and the autonomy and trying to reclaim bits and pieces of the Soviet Union because I think he's ideologically that's where he wants to go and you know he he miscalculated he thought that there was nothing that the um, world governments like the United States could do to counter that and he He's paying the price now, and so are the Russian people, because the Russian people are are rebelling. He's up for re-election, too, right? So what I think is it's a crime. It's a crime against humanity. Uh, he could he could still win, but the level of brutality that he's going to have to do is going to be incredibly high. Um. I think even China, which he was banking on being more cooperative because they are going to be the recipient of all that Russian oil and, and various things that, you know, I think quietly behind the scenes, China was saying, yeah, we'll take the wheat from um, the Ukraine. Like, you know, there's there's definitely some back channel stuff happening there. But I think even now there's some resistance because of the ex- the price that's being extracted and people misunder people underestimated the hangover from COVID around things like supply chains, especially in China where they're still having shutdowns and stuff like that. And, and so it's, it's, uh, it's like a strong man tactic. Like he's such a macho dude that that's exactly the kind of thing you'd expect from him is to try to do a show of force and it's backfiring on him. He would have been much better off to be, to do a big PR campaign about the intrusion of NATO and, how they weren't how, you know, he would have been better off ultimately. And the Russian people would have been better off if he hadn't done this, which is, and not to say anything like the Ukrainian people would have been better off. Um, So what do I think? I think um, probably what we're doing as the allies is the, as the NATO Alliance to make it difficult from him. It was under, and it was under calculated by him. And I'm glad we aren't engaging him directly with our own forces. But we are throwing a lot of our military supplies over there. And it's sort of like at some point it could be a massive powder keg and just start to go off. He could start, you know, if he does a massive counteroffensive and any U.S. assets get caught in the crossfire, it could start a really bad war. Um, the U.S. or the U.K. and other European allies, particularly Germany, now that that oil pipeline's blown up and they're not going to have energy in the winter, that's going to be tough. Like w- one of the things that Putin's doing right now is he's biding his time because he knows that all of that resolve to not use his oil and not, you know, allow economic activity. They were an important part of the economic engine of, of central Europe there. And so I think ultimately some of those partnerships are going to start to weaken, which is a bad thing. So we he invaded in February. He'll probably bide his time and then come back five times as strong again in February with another assault. And it's just bad for everybody. That's what I think. Um, and there's this weird thing I saw. Apparently, some of the people that support the former president of the United States think that Russia's involved in dismantling what they call uh, 
the secret government or the shadow government or whatever the, oh, the deep state, that's what they call it. And so there's this weird thing where there's a kind of alliance with those people in, intellectually with Putin. And it's, it's uh, the result of propaganda because the way I see it, my opinion is that Putin bankrolled Trump back in the early part of the century because Trump's empire was crumbling and the Russian mob was a big part of the New York city area. And so one of the things I've seen in some books that I've read about Trump are that in order to prop up his failing Trump's failing uh, real estate ventures, he took money from Russian banks. And in order to do that, he had to make deals with Russian mobsters and with Putin's cronies and as a result, he owed them favors and they saw an opportunity to, to get him elected and have a power broker in the White House that, that would undermine the U.S. and Russia's favorite favor. And so I think there's a Russia Putin slash Trump connection. That's how I feel based on what I've read. And I think that when we finally find out what the top secret documents that were stolen are reveal is that he probably fed information to the Russian um, intelligence agencies and as part of that deal. And when, when that might not come to light, even though it's a fact, (laughs) even though I think it's a fact, uh, by that. Um, (laughs) That was beautiful. Yeah, It might not even be true. Let's just correct that. It might not be true. And then if, if it is true, it might not come to light because the admission of it and what that would mean about our compromised status in the world is something we wouldn't want out there. And I find it troubling. It's more fuel for the fire that it's possible that um, elements of the American society are supporting Putin and that Trump and Putin have this weird kind of nexus of American alliances. And I would hate for that to continue on the road to kind of a, a, a United States civil war conflict type thing. Cause that's exactly what Russia would want to do is create. And so dissension among us, it would weaken the United States. And this is my final point. There's a real thing that's happened in the last five years with the NATO alliance and the Western powers pushing on Russia and trying to weaken Russia and getting closer and closer to undermining them. And that kind of economic takeover is really typical of what I'll call the international banking community, like the old money. They do this sort of thing where they undermine and they undermine and they strip away power and then they cause conflicts and they back bankroll both sides, right? And so that they can reap the harvest of the assets when everything's broken down. They can buy up land cheap. They can give loans to com- countries that are broken down when they need it. And then they end up owing them and charging. And like there's a whole wicked behind the scenes thing. So I think the reality of the pressure on Putin was real and that it was nefarious that there were some really bad shit that he was being subjected to and the Russian people were under pressure from, but I don't think invading Ukraine was the proper response. It wasn't the right, he would much been much better off exposing that. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it all plays out. Do you think so far I haven't been wrong about the JFK assassination. 
<laughs> I haven't been right either. <laughs> However, you are off the mark with Sasquatch, okay, in the Loch Ness monster. Well, I, I don't particularly believe in the Loch Ness monster. Exactly. I, I mean, yeah, like I said, you're off. But I do believe in Sasquatch. I believe in Sasquatch. In fact, my uncle made a, a full-feature mockumentary about Sasquatch. Really? My dad plays Dr. Lipschitz, the scatologist in that film, and has yeah. his big scene is he's dissecting a big Bigfoot poop and talking right. about why it means it's a Bigfoot. Was that mockumentary the one where Bigfoot like, it was like a horror film? No, it was a film before. It was the very first Sasquatch mockumentary ever. It was called Sasquatch Amongst Us, and it's never been distributed. It's sitting in a can in uh, my uncle's house in, in Montana. I'd love to get that re-released at some point, but, you know, it's it's difficult. To, it requires money to get it digitized and all of that. But Did anyone see it? It was out there for a while. They would played at film festivals in the seventies. I saw it. I saw it once on the big screen at the Presidio Theater in San Francisco, and then I once I saw it on the small screen in my uncle's living room. Is your uncle's last name Went? Yes, sir. Uh, Doug Went. Sasquatch Sus- amongst nineteen seventy three. Forty eight minutes on sixteen millimeter. Uh, I guess it's not feature length then, but it's close. Uh, yeah, 48 minutes is considered. Uh, it's a one hour TV show. You could sell commercials on something like Stayed that. Poot. Time offed. Yeah, that he won an award for time offed. Really? Yeah. Huh. It's also was on Saturday Night Live. Timed off? Yeah, time offed. Wow. Huh. 13 minutes? They played the whole thing? Oh no! Wait, that's that's wrong. Time off is a different one. Um, up and Adam. Up and Adam. That was the one. Time off is really cool. It's got optical effects in it that are awesome. All his films are great. I mean, he was he got his masters from the San Francisco Art Institute, and he he's really a visually um, amazing visual artist. Doug is Doug Wem. Um, and his uh, there's. A special showing um, at Canyon Cinemas of his film, and you just mentioned the name of it. I've already forgotten it. Damn it! Up and Adam. Up and Adam has has been re um, digitized, and a new sixteen millimeter print has been struck, and it's part of a festival that's coming up on October sixteenth in San Francisco. Well. It- on this website I'm looking at, it says all his films are available through the Canyon. Yeah, you can rent them at Canyon Cinema if you want. Yeah. yeah, but they're not digital. You have to go rent the actual. Print. Oh, you have to rent the 16 millimeter. Yeah, it'd be fun to just go rent them all and screen them. Yeah, did do, do can do they have a place you can watch them? I think so. There? I'm not sure how much it would cost. Let's go do it. Let's set it up. Yeah. We'll do a Doug Went Film Festival. Yeah. Yeah, Sasquatch amongst us. Time off is awesome. It's, it's, uh, yeah. There's a character who is, wears an ace bandage around his face. Very, very, you know, invisible man ish. But, um, what about Ron Amok? Dog Ron Amok? Dog Ron Party? Amok. 
Yeah. That's, oh, wow. It's fucking 25 bucks to rent it. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Be fun to do. I love this uh, film rabbit hole we've gone down. Yeah, I didn't realize that uh, film was so prominent in your family. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons that I'm so interested in it is because when I was a, a young man and a young kid, we would go over to my uncle's house and he would, I mean, he was a student filmmaker and then he became um, a film festival host. He Every weekend on Saturday, he would show... That what he we ran a show called the Midnight Movies, and he would bring in independent films every week for Whoa. several years, and show them and and to hippies and crazies, you know, wild. She likes that midnight hour, doesn't he? Yeah. And I remember one year we went, and my dad took me, and when it's all over and all the tickets have been counted and the box office has been put away and the films are packed up and put in his VW Bug, at that point it's three a.m. And like a block down the street from the Presidio Theater was a donut shop. And at 3 a.m., the guys already cooked a a bunch of donuts and and they're fresh, like so fresh. They're literally right out of the deep fryer and the sugar is still dripping. And my dad and my uncle were smoking weed. And so they we went there and oh, my God, like I was ruined donuts. That's the only way to eat a donut. As far as I'm concerned, everything tastes stale. Even fresh donuts at like 6 a.m. are not, they're not, not like good. that 3 a.m. Oh my God. Warm. They're still warm and uh, soft. Oh, yeah. I'm getting chills thinking about it. Have you ever had a Johnny donut? A Johnny donut from yeah. um, San Rafael? Yeah. No, I thought about it though. Yeah, they're fucking great. I don't use my car very much. <laughs> I don't get around much anymore. Yeah. There's no. this place that's near where uh, um, Ari and Tomas live, mm-hmm. where this woman makes gluten-free vegan croissants and buns. She's wow. only open on Friday and Saturday morning for a few hours, and then she does the Sunday farmer's market at the Civic Center, and they're delicious. She sells her stuff there, too? Yeah. It's like about six fifty for you know one of her wares. It's about this big, but so, they're delicious. About as big as a CD, a little bigger maybe. Yeah, and they're thick, you know. Got, so, yeah, they're, they're super good. She's well, that's got, good to know. Maybe um, I'll take Kathy on an adventure. Do you know where it is in Terra Linda? Yeah, you know that strip mall. So when you pass yeah, North Gate one, what? Northgate one. No, but you go past that. Yeah. And on the right side is like a market. Yeah, Scotty's market. Yeah, and a few like it's in that area. That's her shop. Wow. Yeah. It's that's called. right near where Kathy does her um ceramics. Oh really? She must know about it. She might not though. It's called biscuits and buns. And it's all gluten free, huh? Gluten free, vegan, yeah. And um, she's just announced um, she has a pumpkin ginger cardamom bun. Oh, my God. I'm going there tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, man. Good stuff. Be... What Let's time do they open? She opens at 730 tomorrow morning, closes at 1130. Biscuits and buns. Downtown Terra Linda. 
Yeah. For those of you listening to this now, you've got the tip. But for those of you hearing it on Monday, too bad. So sad. Too bad. Sorry for you. See you next week. Yeah. 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 We'll just put the. Um... You're going to publish the address. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 60, 641 Del Ganado Road, San Rafael. Yeah. Beautiful. Biscuits and buns. Yeah. Yeah, well, nothing uh, can soothe the, the woes of a of a post capitalist hangover in the twenty first century <laughs> as 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 gluten free pastry and sugar. Yep, yum, and yeah. a movie, and a movie, a cup uh, of great coffee, a biscuit or a bun. A movie. Half Americano right here. Your loved one cuddled up watching a Rob Zombie movie. Yep. With her boobies smashed up against your arm. It's beautiful. Yep. It's the good life. And then a plunge in the pool. Yeah. Yeah. Is the water warm enough? Yes. <laughs> Must be something in the water drink. It's been the same with every girl I had. <laughs> Must be something in the water you drink. Why else would a woman want to treat a man so bad? Yeah. So, Greg, your um, drumming was really inspiring to me. That's very kind. And hearing you sing again reminds me that this whole story you've told in the, about the years about wanting to be a musician, it's, I think you actually have some untapped juice there. And I, uh, it's my hope that at some point we get together and get in the studio and make some shit happen. I'd love that. Yeah. I, I still have a lyrics file that has your um, lyrics in it. Which but, one? Uh, uh, let's, let's get wet or something like that. Ah! I forgot about that one. My yeah. funk tune. Yeah. Yeah. So we should definitely try that. There is. Um, oh, have you watched any of the Taylor Hawkins tribute videos from L.A.? Uh, you know, I actually have avoided them because they're on iPhone and I know they shot it high def and high quality. And I, they didn't release it. I was really bummed. I thought Paramount Plus was for sure going to show this one, too, because they showed Wembley. But apparently it all got filmed. But no, they're being real super cagey about what's happening with that. Maybe they didn't clear all the rights to everyone. Like maybe there was a thing where they were like, well, everybody but so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so is cleared. So we can't mm -hmm. show the whole thing. Hmm. Right. And maybe it was Motley Crue or maybe it was Pink. We have no idea who they didn't sign because there was lots of la last minute additions. Right. And so I assume they're just trying to work that all out and then they'll put it up as like a pay-per-view or something else like that. Um, but from what I hear, it was even better than Wembley. Well, it's pretty badass, the pirated stuff that's on YouTube. And I know, but I'm just such a nut. I ha I like I I don't like shitty sound or or the sound is shitty, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, one of the cool things is Chris Nol Novosek. Is that how you say? Yeah, it? Chris Novosek. Novosek. He comes out 
and the one that I saw, the bass was real prominent in okay. the sound, and it sounded fucking great. It was really cool to like hear. So does Grohl play drums with him? No, Grohl was on guitar. And did they do um, the Nirvana song? They did, yeah. Awesome. No, no, they did a Soundgarden song. A Soundgarden so, um, song. Yeah, the two guitarists from Soundgarden were on there. Ah, and Gr- and Chris played drums. Or Chris and, played bass. Bass, right, right. And they did. Now, a, was he in the Hair of the Dog or whatever the band was that no, they did? No, okay. he wasn't. What no, was no, the name no. of that band? Yeah, Hair of the Dog. Oh, that no. Yeah, it was something else. No, I'm pretty sure it's Hair of the Dog. Let me see. Um. Yeah, and, um, and I'm wait. going hungry. Yeah, right. hunger strike. Hunger strike. That's one of the greatest songs ever created. Temple of the Dog. Temple of the Dog, right? And then I guess also um, the lead singer of Pearl Jam did a, a slot too. Eddie Vedder did a slot. Did he? I didn't see that. But Pink played with uh, Nancy Wilson. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, I can't resist this. All right. So you did watch some. You but then I watched one and I'm like, I can't do it. I, I want to see it the first time, the best time. I'm going to wait. So bad. She's amazing. She's she a great singer. Because that man. song is not easy to, no. to sing. No, like it's pretty, like Ann nails it. And Ann's a badass vocalist, you know, and Pink held it. Like, and also it was super badass to see, um, Wolfgang Van Halen. Oh, he played again too. Yeah, and he they did Panama, and uh, oh, that's hilarious because he joked after um, Wem's when Wembley that I'm not gonna you don't count on me playing Panama to the Van Halen fans because they're all trying to get him to do a Van Halen reunion. He's like, nope, not gonna happen. And so it was like a fuck you to the fans. That is funny. But to play he's a funny guy. He's fucking talented. I've heard people talking shit about him because they say like he's just playing note for note what Eddie did. Like, well, let's. Well, see. They obviously Eddie. haven't listened to his actual solo album. Well, exactly. And let's see you play Eddie note for note, you little fucker. <laughs> right. There's lots of people that can do that. Well, he's got the feeling though. That's the thing. Well, that's what I mean. See, Wolfgang Van Halen has come up in the shadow of one of the great guitar players of the 20th century. Yeah, greatest. Like, yeah, one of the fucking Mount Rushmore's. Yeah, for sure. And then established himself on his own without having to play his dad's material. Right. And done so in a way that's, like, worthy. And you know what I heard this last album that came out? He, it's like Prince. He played the bass, the keyboard, the drums, the, like, so he's a fucking musician. Yeah, yeah. Um and I'm really proud of him. I think that's brilliant that he's done that. And I'm really, what's really weird for me is the absence of Alex Van Halen. Like if there was ever a time there, it would have been, Alex should have come out and done that show with him. Like, why didn't that happen? Maybe Alex and Wolfgang have some beef or maybe Alex is just not, of drummer anymore maybe he just let it all go i mean what's going on alex van halen if you're out there give me a call my number is available online come on man um, well I, I don't know if this is really from things i've heard or if i'm making this up but i heard you know a lot of the chaos of singers and the van halen brothers was from alex's surliness 
So it Alex wasn't is so, a surly Van Halen. Yeah, it wasn't so much Eddie that was creating trouble. It was Alex. No one wants to invite him to the party, apparently. Well, he might not want to go. He just might be like, you know what? And it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, he and his brother seemed so tight. It wouldn't surprise me if Eddie's passing really was like, that's it. I'm, yeah. I don't I'm need any do money. That. I don't need to. He's a fucking great drummer. I know. That's why it's so trippy that we can't hear him anymore. Right. I mean, right. I, I think that's what people are trying to get Wolfgang to do is get Alex out of retirement, bring back. What's the bass player's name? Michael. Michael. Michael Anthony and and Wolfgang and have him do it. Who would be the vocalist? Wolfgang. Right? Or just bring I don't know. It'd be I think it'd be bad. If I were Sammy Hagar, I'd be dangling tens of millions of dollars in no, front of no, no Sammy. No Sammy. Yeah, you're not a uh uh I love Sammy fan. on his own, but I'm not a Van Hagar fan. Yeah. No. And David just doesn't have it anymore. No, definitely not. Definitely not. The have voice. you listened to any of the stuff David's released like in the past couple of weeks? Like he's gone back into the studio. No. No. Recorded like Panama, and he's a. He re-recorded nut. it. Yeah, he's a nut. I don't know. He is that. a nut. That I've seen. What you know? I loved that first David Lee Roth solo album with Steve Vai. I thought, oh, you yeah, know, that was Justin Gigolo. That was hilarious. What a great yeah. video. Yeah, you know, yeah. he still had that frontman showman kind of like panache, and and let's be honest, it's frat boy humor, but um. You know, he he he's right on the cusp of being one of the great front men, but he's he's kind of become too much of a joke on some level. But when you listen to that, those first couple Van Halen records, he's actually really pulling off some amazing shit. Those whales and chirps, yeah. and, you know, and those, you know, the flying and some live, you know, pirated video where he's doing it. He's got some chops. He was a fucking god when you yeah. know those first f- five albums. Let's see, there's one, two, uh, Diver Down, uh, Mean Streets, and 1984. Yeah, those first five albums were fucking amazing. Yeah, but syphilis, gonorrhea, and cocaine addiction have probably taken their toll on Dave. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. He's like Ted Nugent where. Oh, is he politically like. No, no, no. What I mean by that is I admire them both. I think they're both batshit crazy, but there's an element of adherence to their truth that I admire. Like I admire the fact that in the midst of him being a fucking rock star, he goes and becomes an EMT in New York City. You know? Well, yeah, apparently he needed the money. No, that's not why he did it. Oh, he did. See, it I thought he was broke and he he was looking for work. No, he fucking did it because let, let me see what this is about. He went like when um, Van Halen was touring. He liked to go off on these chaotic jaunts, and at one point he just went and got lost in the Amazon down in South America. And you know he was like they came close to dying and. That's wow. what he liked to do. And and he studied like he moved to Japan to learn the art of the samurai and also picked up the um art of calligraphy. 
Yeah, but it's the the painting, the like that single like single hair painting style. Oh yeah, yeah. With yeah. a particular style, I forget what it's called. So again, you know, his commitment to He goes all in. He goes on all whatever in. he's doing. Right. So at some point he's like, I want to make a difference in the people for the people of New York and save lives. And so yeah. he went and studied and became an EMT and served in, in the ambulance brigade. Right, right. And really did it for a year. Wow. Yeah. That's that's more than I want to do. And then also hearing how um, when he took over Howard Stern at the radio station, when Howard went to Satellite and David Lee Roth took the over. Well, he the took media. his broadcast, his terrestrial broadcast show. I yeah, never I gave that to David. And um, from what I've heard, like the people in charge were trying to force him into being like a Howard Stern clone. And he's like, that's not who I am. I'm David, you know, let me be just David. And Yeah, like the, give the audience a chance to like me. Right. If, right. If, if they want Howard Stern, guess what, guys? They're going over to that other's place. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting. I just heard, um, God damn it. What was it? Um, oh, damn it. Call a plumber. Oh, oh no. Um, You're not oh, having a stroke. It was David Blaine. All right. So oh, yeah. David Blaine was on Hot Ones. Um, and I love watching Hot Ones. You familiar with that? No. So on YouTube, there's a series called Hot Ones. Oh, wait, that's go, the interview show with the hot sauce. Yeah, 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 exactly. It. It's Brett. So the new season just started, and David Blaine's the first guest. And he was talking about his very first TV special, like because he was asked, what's one of your favorite reactions to the tricks he did? And he did this trick where he made a quarter disappear from his hand, and the kid was just silent and like, Cool. And David loved it because he said that's was so personal to him. That's how he was with magic, like just taking it all in and just sitting with it. Like, okay, what just happened? And that's what you're witnessing. But the people in charge, the producers and stuff were like, no, man, that's That's not entertaining. Right. Exactly. And he fought so hard to get that scene in and it, it stayed in. And that's been the scene that everyone talks about. So it again reminds me how we got to fight for what we know in our gut is right and fuck everybody else. Do it. Because so often the energy. (laughs) That was a powerful statement, my friend. It's true because so many people are sitting in the executive suite, overthinking it, looking at the demographics and looking at all the polling and all of that stuff. When the really killer stuff is that full on devoted heart centered stuff, which is why Ramstein is nobody you've ever heard of except for this show before this show, except if you're a Ramstein fan already. Right. But um, and they're amazing. It's because they go out and they're not listening to any of that stuff. They're not beholden to anyone but their own vision. And and that's what made all the greats great, right? Prince, Van Halen, Jimi Hendrix, um, uh, Nat King Cole, uh, Frank Sinatra, yeah. your mama. Yeah. Y'all mama. And I think... My um, mama. 
And uh, Art, once. I'm Art like, says mmm. that in the last six minutes, we have to talk about the Masonic Order. I don't know what the fuck that means. Well, you're a Mason, aren't you? Recording stopped. 